Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Conversations with Creative Vagabonds, Thinkers, and Innovators. This is the place where great minds come to chat, and I am your host, Sandra Lee Schubert, and welcome to the show. of assault, derogatory comments about women's looks, her age, weight, have all made their way into the public discourse. Women across the country are reliving traumatic experiences. So what is going on, and how, as women, can we handle it and take care of ourselves? Today we're talking about women, men, and the presidential election. And my guest is Dr. Lois Frankel, president of Corporate Coaching International. She is a best-selling author executive coach, and internationally recognized expert in the field of leadership development for women. She has several New York Times best-selling books, Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office, Nice Girls Don't Get Rich, and Nice Girls Just Don't Get It, plus Ageless Women, Timeless Wisdom, Witty, Wicked, and Wise Reflections on a Well-Lived Life. And I, I guess nice women don't get elected either. So, Lois, there is so much in this election for us to parse, but today we're just going to concentrate on the narrative about women. So can you tell me what's going on? Well, holy, that's a loaded question, Sandra. <laughs> uh, in my opinion, what's going on is we are seeing a huge backlash against an incredibly qualified, highly capable, strong woman. You can see why women often won't step up to the leadership plate when leadership is necessary because they get the same kind of treatment, whether it's in a corporation or a nonprofit or I don't care where it is, in a family, as Hillary Clinton is getting. The fact is is that I know you know Barack Obama said this and I and I believe it and I had been saying it beforehand but I didn't say it as well as he did that there will never have been a more qualified candidate for president than Hillary Clinton. And to me all of the black backlash against her underlies the sexism in our society. And to me when people say you can't trust her it's code for I don't like strong women. Right, and that's that's interesting because you see how, especially in the debates, how that interaction between a man and a woman kind of plays out. And I I don't know if you remember her her debate with um, Lazio during for her Senate campaign, and there was a moment where he came over and sort of like poked at her in her space. And it yes. sort of really kind of lost the election for him. So now we have, uh, again, we have this moment where somebody seems to be physically int- intimidating towards somebody who talks over her, who, you know, just the whole nasty woman comment at the end, 
really sort of took that home. It's this idea that a woman can't hit back or, you know, here's somebody who's sort of really defending her position and his, this Donald Trump's idea is to say, I'm going to call you a nasty, nasty woman instead of dealing with the actual facts of what she was saying. Yeah, and um, what you've just said really underscores the fact that, and we've already known this, there are two sets of rules for men and women in our society. And the kinds of things that Trump has gotten away with, no woman could ever get away with. Speaking over, putting down, name-calling. You know, and somebody the other day said to me, well, you know, most men couldn't get away with it either. And I said, well, you know, but... Okay, most men couldn't. No woman could. The fact is is that if any woman did anything even similar to what Trump has done, um, they would be automatically disqualified because we still have two sets of rules for behavior and communication, one for men and one for women. And Hillary is doing her very best to walk what uh, Kathleen Reardon called the thin pink line. If you go too much on one side of the line, you're called nasty. If you go on too much on the other side of the line, you're called somebody who we really don't have to deal with. You're, you're seen as a wimp. So, you know, what is a woman to do, whether it's Hillary or somebody else? What's a woman to do? What's wonderful is that Hillary has been using um, Elizabeth Warren as a surrogate out there. And Elizabeth has been doing a marvelous job of saying all the things that I'm sure Hillary is thinking, but can't get away with saying. And the fact right. is, is that, that the lies that have come out of Trump's mouth, I mean, we know from the people who are doing fact-checking that most of what comes out of his mouth is a lie. And this whole thing, I, I've been thinking before, Sandra, about how is he going to handle defeat? Because he is going to be defeated. How is he going to handle defeat? And now we know how he's going to handle it. He's going to say that it was rigged, when in fact there are no pointers in that direction. Now, do you think um, that if if he was competing against a man and he got to this point, he still may be, uh, you know, what, however, I don't want to say nasty, however he is in terms of his communication, do you think he would be different in his response do you think he would actually concede if it were a man or is it hard to tell because he's just sort of a not a different kettle of fish but how he's operating in terms of the selection is kind of different than we've seen previously oh i don't think we'd see a thing that's different and i say that for a couple of reasons Uh, i'm sorry did i misunderstand no 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 absolutely no you're fine go ahead Okay, yeah, I don't think we would see a thing that's different, and I say that for a few reasons. First of all, we all thought we were going to see something different as the debates progressed. We saw something different in the second debate for about five minutes, (laughs) and then in the third debate, maybe for 30 minutes, but he couldn't sustain it because, you know, in my clinical opinion, and this is just an opinion, so I don't want him coming after suing me, He's a narcissistic personality disorder. He is not just narcissistic because if we say so, we all are a little bit narcissistic. We have to be narcissistic to survive in the world. But a narcissistic personality disorder um, cannot take 
even a little bit of um, criticism, has to insert themselves in the in the middle of everything, has to be the best at everything, oh, and describe themselves as, the be- as best, even when they're not. So he has a personality disorder that would preclude him from acting any different, whether it would be a, if it, even if it was a man. Because, look, we saw him do that to every one of the candidates that were running in the primaries. We saw what he did to Marco Rubio, what he did to Jeb Bush. He didn't do it so much to Kasich, what he did to Carly Fiorina, although that was a woman. Um, he did the exact same thing. And so, you know, I'm sure your mother told you the same thing mine told mine, which was a leopard Leopard doesn't change his spots. Right. No, it's so, okay, so we know that he's not going to, He, in theory, he's treated men badly or 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 undermine them and now he he's up against a, a woman let's go backtrack just a little bit and maybe you can for our listeners explain a little bit about what the two sets of rules are so that people maybe have an understanding of what what's in operation here in terms of women and men in the selection sure you know we live in a society where, frankly, we don't like men who act like women, and we don't like women who act like men. And so one of the most common questions that I'm asked or statements that are made when I'm speaking to women's groups is, you know, I said something the exact same way that my male counterpart said it, and I was called the bitch and he was called smart. And why is that? And I say, because there's two sets of rules. We expect women to deport themselves with um, a kind of, uh, I don't want to use the word dignity, but a kind of self-control that's not always expected of men. And, you know, fortunately for women, it's not hard for them because when we look at emotional intelligence, women exceed men in emotional intelligence on four of the five scales, and one of them is self-control. Okay, so we expect women to exert that kind of self-control. We expect women to be respectful of others. We expect women to use data, facts, and figures. There's so much that we expect of women. We expect women to be inclusive of others, to care what other people have to say, to listen to others. We expect that of women. Men, on the other hand, have been raised, and this is starting to change because, you know, I I do workshops and corporations for both men and women and teaching them how to communicate better together. But for men, they have been allowed to go outside the bounds of all those things I just, just described. They don't have to listen to others, and they can still be very successful. They can be disrespectful to others and still be very successful. They cannot, self, they cannot exhibit self-control and still be very successful. Now, but a woman doing those th- same things typically will not lead to success. It's the unusual woman who can get away with those things. And that's why sometimes I'll be in a corporation and someone will say, you know, you know, I understand what you're saying about how women have to behave, but my boss is a woman and she does all those things that men do and she's been successful. And I said, but how many other women in your corporation do that and are successful? Well, she's the only one. Exactly. If you think you can be the exception to the rule, go ahead and try it. But most women aren't going to get away with it. And similarly, there are restrictions for men because if men behave like women, you know, 
particularly men who might have a softer side, a well-developed feminine side, maybe speak a little softer, always care about what other people have to say. Sometimes they don't get ahead because they're not seen as tough enough. I've certainly coached a lot of men like that where they were sent to me for coaching because, you know what, we don't see him as competitive. And really what it was was, you know, they had really well-developed feminine sides that would work well for them in many situations, but that they had to develop complementary behaviors. Sandra, did that answer your question? It it certainly certainly did. And and, and it's, I mean, I've heard, Hillary described as being cold and aloof, which is not something I experience. But do you think that because she's kind of operating, I guess, in this sort of quote unquote man's world in terms of how politics in America are at the moment and, and, and getting this close to being uh, the first woman president, do you think that that's, part of that comes into play when people look at her as cold. It's not necessarily because she is cold, but because she's got to sort of contain herself and sort of the, the rules that you say kind of are, are in operation. Absolutely. Hillary is walking that thin pink line. I have also heard from people who have met her that she is much warmer in person, that she is kind and warm and friendly and thoughtful, and she is all those things. At the same time, if she exhibits all of those things to the exclusion of um, being direct, straightforward, composed, careful in how she speaks, then she's going to be seen as a pushover. So she, so again, she, she really has to walk that fine line that lets people see. Gee, if she was elected a president, if she was elected a president, I should say when she is elected president, um, she can stand up to Putin. She can st- stand up to Assad. You know, she can stand up to anybody, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so it is. So it really is a, a fine line that she's walking, and I and I think that's what people don't get. Yet, you know, one thing that I routinely do during all debates, because I really want to see what happens, is I turn the sound off and I just watch. And I go, who looks more presidential to me? I'm not even listening to the words that they're using. Who looks more presidential? And if you you did that with the debates with um, Hillary and Trump, clearly she looked more presidential. It didn't matter what she said. The man could not contain... His facial expressions, uh, his grimaces, his outbursts, he couldn't contain himself. And that does not uh, bode well for someone who's going to be the leader of the free world. Let's put it that way, the leader of the free world. And the feedback I'm getting from people around the world is that they're all hoping Trump does not get in because they feel as if Obama has really reestablished the uh, dignity of and the respect for uh, the President of the United States. And they don't believe Trump can continue that. Well, that, that's interesting. Um, the, the idea that somebody looks presidential is an interesting one because I that's one of the things that we hear that – Hillary doesn't look presidential, and it and it's kind of like, well, what does that mean? I mean, does she, you know, is she the right height? Is she the you know the right color? Is she the right you know? 
what is it that makes somebody look presidential? And and so for you, you're 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 at least from what I'm hearing, you're you're looking at the idea of her composure, her ability to speak, her ability to, you know, as a president who has to serve. It's a big job. This is, we're not joking here. This is a, a job that requires somebody to really, may, I don't want to say have a poker face. Maybe that's the wrong word. So, but the idea that we've not never had a woman president in this country. Now we've just had our first black president. Now we're very close to having our first woman president. The idea of presidential sort of has a lot of, and in terms of women, you know, you hear that a lot. Like, she's just not presidential. She's a woman. And people have this kind of like the Mitt Romney, you know, tall, dark, handsome idea in their mind of what that represents. So do you think some of that sort of starts playing into this all whole dynamic that's going on? I think some of it certainly is because what you're saying, essentially, is that um, the notion of presidential um up until obama really conjured up an image of an older white male and it creates cognitive dissonance to think of a woman in that role so we need to Mm -hmm. redefine what would that look like right it's a little bit like an image of god in your mind for most people an image of god is this old white man with a long beard for most people not for all people obviously especially for caucasians though um, and so once you say, no, God looks like something different, it creates cognitive dissonance. People can't get their their mind around it. So, yes, we do need to um, be thinking about how are we going to redefine presidential. At the same time, Sandra, I think Hillary did not look presidential the last, oh, I'm going to say, year or two that she was Secretary of State. And I I wrote about it in one of my blogs and in articles, and I talked about it in keynotes. She did not look presidential. Um, uh, Frankly, and again, this is something that a man couldn't get away with it either. It wouldn't look quite the same, but a man couldn't get away with it either. Her hair was too long. It was unkempt. Um, She has very thick glasses, which I also do, by the way, which is why I wear contacts. There is a look to success, and I don't care if it's presidential. I don't care if it's in the corporation. You know, I don't care where it is. There is a look and a sound to success, and people know it when they see it, and they know it when they don't see it. And it's one of the things that I work on with both men and women in terms of coaching them because in terms of your credibility, um, about, uh, I'd say, a little less than 50% of your credibility comes from how you look. And about right, 40 so she was wearing pony t- she was pulling her hair back at yeah. that point and look, looking a little tired, I guess, and she maybe certainly was a little tired at that point. Oh, I'm sure she was. I would be. But then I compare <laughs> that with, let's just compare it with um Madeleine Albright, mm-hmm. a previous Secretary of State who I can't say ever looked that way. Right, Madeline Albright always looked well put together. She looked like somebody you were going to take very seriously. And so if 50% of your credibility comes from how you look, and that's not in my opinion, that's from studies that have been done, 
then you need to look the part. And that includes whether you're running for president or a promotion or looking for a job, that it matters. And so so I think for Hillary, I would say that previously she didn't look presidential, but right now, I mean, when I look at her on that stage in debates, that screams presidential to me. And I'm comparing her in my mind to someone like Julia Gillard, um, the first woman... Um, Prime Minister of Australia. She's, she no longer is, but she was. Um, she looked presidential to me. Think about Margaret Thatcher. She certainly looked presidential to me, or, or like a, a, the leader of a country. Um, I think about uh, Christine Lagarde, head of the International Monetary Fund, Angela Merkel. Okay. They all have a certain look, and you have to have that look. And I think we are going to see that notion of you have to be tall, white, and an older white man to be president of the United States. That's going to change with Hillary. Right. And it, it's going to have to at this point because now we're going to have sort of back-to-back presidents that sort of look different than what we're used to. Now, can we talk a little bit about ambition? Because I, I, one of the things that I'm always interested in is that, you know, you have a person who's, um, you know, has real estate holdings, who does all these, all this work, and we can sort of parse what we think is legitimate or not about about that experience. But, you know, clearly you have a, a man who has ambition and has gone after his ambition. And then you have a woman who also has had, had ambition and has clearly gone after her ambition. On one hand, people say, hey, this is great. This man has gone after his ambition, and and we are thrilled about this. And then on the other hand, you say, hey, she's so ambitious. You know, and you bring, you know, I want to sort of dovetail into some of the allegations that are floating around and how that is reflecting upon women. But what do women do around having ambition and having blatant ambition? Like, I, you know, having, you know, pl- plotting out their life and re- going for a goal and, and, uh, and achieving that goal. I mean, people are, I hear so much about pe- people condemning Hillary for having ambition and going for it. And you're kind of like, I don't know, isn't that the American way? Don't people go for their their goals? So, can you talk a little bit about women and ambition and how what we what has what they have to deal with in t- regards to that? Yeah, you know there was an interesting article in the New York Times a couple of months ago, and it talked about the fact that when Hillary was Secretary of State, she had very high likability ratings. Then she starts running for President of the United States, and the likability ratings go down. And what they made of this was that when women are doing the job and doing it well, they're liked and they're respected. When women ask for something more, like Hillary wanting to be president of the United States, when or when you're asking for a promotion or you believe that you know, you're going aggressively after your goals, that's when women are seen as unlikable. And, you know, I remember reading this book many years ago, and I'm sorry I can't remember the author because I don't want anybody to think this was my idea because it wasn't, but I believe it. And she t- and it could have been Carol uh, Gilligan uh, or Jean Baker Miller, one or the other, but they talked about the white male system. 
that we live in a white male system. And like any system, when you threaten it, when you threaten to to get the system off its course, it's going to close in around you. You're going to get resistance. Think about a think about a, a ecological system. When you shift the system, you get resistance. Family system, same thing. Political system, same thing, right? So if we live in a white male system, it means that the white males who have the power and control, if you try to take some of that back, you are always going to get resistance because it's the system trying to right itself. And what I tell women is you cannot let that system dictate what you are allowed to do or to have or to be because it is always going to push back on you. And when you feel as if you're getting the most pushback, you need to be saying to yourself, I must be doing something right because I am certainly threatening the system. Um, (laughs) and, And at its core, that's what goes on. Now, that's kind of like, you know, it's like a very maybe an academic way of looking at it. But I think women have to understand that, that the name-calling, there's something wrong with you for wanting more. You know, why can't you just be happy with what you have? Um, All of that is in the service of just keeping quo, the way things are. Isn't that part of what Trump supporters want? They would like to go back to 1950s United States when – White people had all the power and control when black people, quote-unquote, knew their place, when we didn't have these communities of minorities, when, when, uh, when whites were the majority, which is we're not going back there. That's not happening. And I think people can't get that, and they long to go back to that place and to bring the system back to where they were comfortable. And this is part of what we're seeing happening um, is people responding strongly to that? Does that make sense? Right. And, and, you no, know, no, absolutely. And the, and the interesting thing I think about that is that it's a it seems to be psychologically comfortable, but it it in maybe in reality was actually not a comfortable place, which is so interesting that 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 people you know in reality were not necessarily better off in that sort of ideal time frame but people psychologically feel that that yes that was a a perfect time like I came from a single mother household I did not grow up with the sort of the you know mom dad mom at home you know I had a mom who worked she had a major illness you know she spent time in the hospital I mean I had none of that to Mm -hmm. sort of be my guide in terms of that so you know for me in some way you know it worked. It was a blessing in, 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 you know, how those things turn out to be a blessing is because I didn't, I, I got to see a mother that worked and had to work, you know, but at that time I didn't know that I just saw that she worked. So my interpretation of what that ideal family was, was kind of different than what was happening in terms of the world, you know, the leave it to beaver kind of ideal image that was going on. But let me just pivot a little bit on this because I do want to talk a a bit about the sexual allegations and the the whole Billy Bush tape and kind of what that's opened up. Now, you know, just for clarity, we're the allegations are allegations. So we're not, you know, I'm not really saying that there's, you know, any more to it than that. However, we have the Billy Bush tape, which really says something, um, 
uh, about somebody's approach to women. And then we have the people's reaction to that tape and how people reacted uh, react to women in regards to that. And that to me has been really interesting and disturbing. And I know many women who are really, really sort of relitigating their own, their own trauma around being ignored about their own allegations and how they were talked to. And then we see uh, the, um, the pivot be off of the allegations, but towards Hillary's husband. Let's bring back Hillary's husband into this. Now, when we're, when the campaign is going against Hillary's husband and his, you know, clearly he's, he had some issues in his time frame. That's not, that's not in dispute. When they go off for her and they go for her husband, is that because they're diminishing her role in that or was it because they thought it would knock her off her game I, I'm just trying to figure out the the psychology around what goes on when this these allegations happen and where people are going with that and it may be too hard for us to parse at this time but maybe if we can sort of work on that a little bit yeah you know it's kind of hard to know what people's motivations are certainly in the case of um, Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton I don't know why she hasn't come out and said, my husband isn't running for president. She's never said that. I mean, to me, that would be the clearest thing. You know, when you attack my husband, he's not running for president. Now, I think what Trump was trying to do was say that she was an enabler and therefore complicit in this alleged sexual misconduct. So Mm -hmm. I think he was trying to tarnish her by association. It wasn't just him going after Bill Clinton, but rather, and in turn, here's what she did, whether she said this to Broderick, you know, Broderick claims she did this, or she defended this rapist, or, you know, he's definitely trying to do, uh, what do you call that when you, um, you try to get people to look at something else, a sleight of hand. Okay, mm-hmm. he's definitely doing a sleight of hand, trying to say, you know, but look at this over here, and then you miss what's going on over here, right? So it was all he had to use. The man is desperate. He doesn't have substance. The man is an empty suit. So his tactics have to be to some, and this is what they have been since the very beginning, from calling, you know, Jeb Low Energy to Little Marco to, you know, all those other condescending comments he made about people and continues to make about people. Um, we continue to see his tweets about, you know, whether it's Saturday Night Live is already is not so good or this newspaper is going out of business or whatever it is. That's his M.O. Because for a narcissistic personality disorder, if you can make someone look small, you feel bigger. I mean, that's at the S. That's at the heart of it. So his tactics have consistently been that, and he doesn't really have much to use against Hillary. I mean, we've heard about the emails. How many more times are we going to hear about them? All right, already. And Benghazi. There are two things that have been used against her that have some legitimacy, that even I'm willing to say have some legitimacy. But they pale in comparison to the litany of things that Trump has done, said, engaged in, that um, disqualify him to be president of the, free, uh, the leader of the free world. 
Right. And so, yeah, so I'm not sure we know exactly, but but I think you're right that it has brought up so much stuff for women. And there was that woman who tweeted, I, I don't remember what the tweet was, but, I mean, thousands of women's, women started following her on Twitter about, you know, describe what happened to you. Who sexually harassed you? And thousands and thousands of women came out of the woodwork and said they never said anything because they did, either didn't think people would believe them right. or they were embarrassed by it. Um, and and I think that that speaks to how strong this is in our culture and how it continues. Um, a lot of times people will say to me, don't you think um, discrimination in the workplace and sexual harassment has really diminished? And I say, I don't think it's diminished. I think it's gone underground. I think people are smart enough not to, you know, they figured out how not to get caught at this, but it doesn't mean it diminished. Right. It definitely didn't diminish. But it, I think... You know, we're we're looking at the idea of of or just looking at the the allegations part, and we're looking at the response towards women. It's not, uh, you know, it's not addressing what the allegations might mean. And granted, I, you know, as a person who's who the allegations are against, you're not going to say, "Yeah, I did it. That's great," because that would be something else. You are going to say, you know. Well, hopefully in, in, in some sort of world you would say, you know, I'm very sorry this has happened for this one, but, at, you know, whatever. But the thing is we're, what happens is that women are getting attacked for these statements. They're de- being diminished because of their looks. They're being diminished because of their age. They're being diminished because of their weight. So does this go part and parcel with how – women are still viewed in the world that instead of going after, I, don't, I mean, I don't, truthfully, I don't even know what you go after in this situation, but you start to then attack like their looks. They cannot, they're not sexual enough for me to be interested. Therefore their allegations can't be true. And I see this across the board. I'm looking at, a uh, Facebook post where the newest person has come out who's a porn star and said, well, she is a whore. She cannot be serious about these allegations. And, and the same thing goes to people who drink, who dress and, in, in, you know, whatever is considered wrong, that they therefore can't be real in what happened to them. It can't be legitimate because they asked for it. They're not, you know, all these things are sort of coming into play and being brought out into the surface. So how do we kind of parcel this as, yeah. at least as women, I, I can only speak for myself as a woman. How do we parse all this stuff that's kind of rolling around right now as we sort of watch a, a woman ascend to a really big job that we haven't seen before in this country? Yeah, well, I think when you talk about parsing, it's like we have all succumbed, or many of us have succumbed, to Madison Avenue's vision of what a woman should look like and be like, and that that continues to this day. I mean, look at the. And let me give you an example. Um, I was doing a keynote, and I was I was talking about raising self confident daughters, and a woman came up to me afterwards, and she said, "You know, I send my daughter to school every day with um, a fist bump." that says, be kind, be smart, be healthy. Okay, be kind, be smart, be healthy. She's five years old. She's going to kindergarten. One day she comes home, and her lunchbox still has her lunch in it. And her mother says, you know, what's the matter? Didn't you like your lunch? And she said, no, Mommy, I'm getting fat. 
Now, a five-year-old girl in 2016 that says this to a mother who focuses on being smart, being healthy, being kind, that only comes from one place. It's, it comes from social messages. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so those things haven't changed. And until we're, you know, all of us are willing to say, you know what, it, 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 it's, that's not the image I want to see. And, you know, I gotta, and I'm going to support people like Dove, right, who say, mm-hmm. we're going to have a campaign that says this is what a normal woman looks like. Um, or brands that really play to, quote, unquote, the average woman. See, none of us want to be average. That's part of the problem. You know, but is it? But it's in many ways, it's no different than the cliques that we grew up with in, you know, grammar school and high school. And you know, there were the pretty ones and the thin ones, and then you know, there were the rest of us. Quite honestly, um, and so it pushes all kinds of old buttons for us, mm-hmm. and for women, just much more so than men, because we're so much more critical of ourselves. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with, you know, all those, all that research that went into putting men and women in separate rooms and having them describe themselves, and how women describe themselves in, you know, many more um, negative terms than men. You know, a, a man could have a paunch and be balding, but he described himself as, in factual terms, as, you know, what I'm five nine, which may be a couple inches taller. Um, you know, I've got nice eyes. I've got it. Never mentioning something that is less than uh, positive. So it's you're you're bringing up something that is really tough, Sandra, because it pervade it's pervasive in our society, and we really have to start with our little girls and our little boys, and really teaching them that no, you're not going to be Madison Avenue. You don't have to be Madison Avenue. Um, and it's the unusual person who is. And that, well, and that holds me, true for little boys, too. Little boy. Let me just sort of just address this a little bit. So we, we, we have these images that we sort of are fighting against. But then you, we were originally talking about the idea of looking presidential and how Hillary mm-hmm. was sort of, you know, slipping a little bit. And I guess when people hear that, they, they hear that as a mixed message. Um, yeah. You know, it's like, wait, I, I, I have to look good, but then I, you know, so, but I think, you know, at least what I'm hearing you're saying, it's not about being perfect, but it's about being, just taking care of yourself, you know, you know, going out in the day, sort of, you know, being your best. I don't, maybe that's not the right word. So what happens when people sort of hear like being presidential and looking good and, but not, you know, then having to fight against the images that we were supposed to aspire to. So is Hillary sort of being, uh, you know, I think she's 70 something woman, you know, not six foot tall, you know, does she start to sort of change that model so that she can keep herself well, looking good and neat or whatever it is. I'm not using the right words, but still doesn't meet the sort of Madison Avenue criteria of what beautiful women look at. Does that sort of start to change that that idea a bit? I think you're right. I think that's very insightful on your part. And, and yes, I think you're right. Because the way I think people need to see it, and it seems like it's a disconnect there. I guess in my head it's not because I've worked on this for so long. It's like Okay, whatever role you have, 
there's a uniform, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to wear the uniform, and you have to look the part. We are all actors on a stage in terms of our jobs. And whether you're an accountant or running for president of the United States or work in a bar, it's a role that you're playing. That's your role. And that you need to dress for the role. And just like an actor wears a costume and knows her lines, that's how you can be successful in your role. You have to know your lines. You have to know how to deliver them. That's the part of the how do you sound. The look is, do you look right for your part? So if you are a stay-at-home mom um, who uh, doesn't, doesn't work outside the home, you don't have to look like Hillary Clinton. Guess what? You don't have to. Hillary Clinton has chosen to want to lead the free world, and there is a look that goes with that. And if you don't live up to that look, people will say, you know, sometimes it's a question of judgment, right? You know, I'm thinking when I interviewed people to work in my company, if they came in, in, no, I don't care how qualified they were, if they came in dressed inappropriately for the interview, it made me question their judgment. So it wasn't just how they looked. It was, well, what were you thinking coming to an interview looking like this? And what kind of judgments will you make moving forward if I were to hire you? So there's so much that goes into it. Um, you know, and you don't, you know, every 70-year-old woman doesn't have to look like Hillary Clinton. Um, Hillary Clinton has chosen to apply for a job that requires her to look exactly like she looked on that stage. And I wouldn't change a thing about her, personally. Right. And there's people who could take so, shots at her. And like you said, mm-hmm. they could say, she's not tall enough, she's a little overweight, she's got a couple of wrinkles. Who cares? On that stage, she looked the part. Right. And she's and she sounded the part and kept her composure. And, and, and I, I think it's a... Uh, you know, you know, for me as a woman, it's an interesting thing to look at because I'm certainly, I certainly have, um, um, I don't want to say been the victim, but I've certainly taken the role where I I back down in 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 uh, when I'm confronted with a with a man who's louder, bigger, taller than me, I te- mm-hmm. I back down, and um, when I look at at what happened in that debate and, and and at least how she kept going despite being talked over and just kept laying out the facts. And, you know, the sort of the, the barb against her was that she was too prepared. And you're kind of like, like, well, <laughs> dude, she's like, she's going for the biggest job in the country. I mean, wouldn't you want to prepare for that? I, it's, it's, you know, that kind of disconnect is like, as a male, I can just walk in and do this job. But, you know, here she's preparing for the job, but therefore she shouldn't prepare. You know, it's sort of like you, 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 it does kind of boggle the mind and it does really get a very confusing for many people about this. But we are, we're actually coming to the end of the show. So I'm actually, I, we, we have so much more we could have talked about. I should have just booked us for another 15 minutes but in the last couple minutes that we have what 
what advice do you have for, for women and, and, and even men uh, going forward as a result of what's going on in this presidential race? You know, my advice for everyone is to get behind Hillary once she gets to the Oval Office, that she faces an insurmountable, seemingly, I don't know why anybody would want that job, quite frankly, she faces a formidable job of having to bring this country back together. And I don't care if you didn't vote for her, and I don't care if you didn't vote at all, but if we all want to succeed as a nation, we need to get behind a leader who can move us forward, and I believe she can move us forward. If she does, and I look at what happened to Barack Obama, and the only thing that kept him from moving us further forward was a Congress that didn't cooperate, that wanted to make him a one-term president. And I guarantee you they're going to do the same thing to Hillary. I think someone like Mitch McConnell is going to say we need to make it our primary goal to make her a one-term president. And what each of us can do is we can make sure that we do things and say things to our senators and to our colleagues and we get the word out there that we're going to support her. We may not like her, but if she is elected, that's who we're going to support. And I also think that we can do more to just support women in general. You know, it's like Hillary said, when women win, we all win. And I think that people have to get beyond this place of it's a either or, that, it, that it's a, a zero-sum game. That's not how it is. There's enough out there for all of us that we live in a world of abundance. We live in a country of abundance in so many ways. And when we realize that and we treat each other as if there's enough to go around, that, Sandra, if I give to you, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to get something. In fact, if I give to you, it means it's probably going to come back to me in some other way when I least expect it and most need it. And that's what I would like to have people start thinking about. How can you start giving away some of the goodwill that you have and the thoughts you have and the support you have and know that it will come back to you multifold? Very good. Now, Lois, um, I've been talking to Dr. Lois Frankel. Lois, why don't you tell people where they can find you? They can find me at my website, drloisfrankel.com. That's D-R-L-O-I-S-F-R-A-N-K-E-L. Dot com. Very good. And thank you very much for being on the show. This has been very interesting. I think we could have gone on for much longer, um, but maybe you'll come back when we can talk some more about it. And um, uh, again, thank you to Dr. Lois Frankel. And we we're talking about women, men in the presidential election. I hope you enjoyed the show. It is really great fun to speak to people and find out what they're doing in the world. If you are interested in reaching out on air, online, or in person, let me show you how. I am partnered with some great people, some strategic thinkers and consultants to bring you the best services available. Call me at 347-560-1624. Or email me at SandraLeeSchubert at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Mm-hmm.